hey church, uh, I'm out on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, by the way, I am in an exact replica of the Jesus boat. You remember they found it several years ago when the Galilee was down, they uncovered a boat 2,000 years old right up here at the northern part where Jesus did most of his ministry. This, this boat uh, is exactly to the exact specification out of the same wood uh, of the boat that Jesus would have been in numerous times. And uh, I am on the sea where Jesus performed at least seven miracles on this sea and about this sea. If you're looking behind me to the north, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 back up on these hills right in here. He fed the 5,000 and uh, the Bible tells us this, that he made the disciples. I'm in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, he'd fed the 5,000. John's gospel says that Jesus perceived that they were going to rush him to make him a king. So what Jesus does is he turns to these disciples, he puts them in a boat just like this, puts them in the boat and sends them out into the sea to go to the other side. Now, let me explain a little something here about that for just a moment. Uh, John's gospel also tells us that Jesus said to the multitudes, to the crowds, he said, you think that Moses fed you with manna, but it was my father who fed you from heaven. And Jesus then fed them bread here from those little loaves and those little fishes. He, he says, I, if you'll eat the bread that I give you, you won't hunger again. And so Jesus does what is greater than what Moses did. And that is Jesus fed the multitudes here, the Jews that were here. Now, Jesus sends those disciples right back over there. We, we pretty well know that's the area of Gadara right back there. They would have to come off of here into about the middle of the sea and uh, head over to that side, which was the Gentiles. It was where the Decapolis was. That's what they call it. Uh, Deca is 10, polis is city, uh, Decapolis is the area. That's the area of the 10 Gentile cities over there. So Jesus was doing this. Jesus was saying, I'm gonna care for the Jews and I'm going to reach and feed them, but I'm also going to reach the Gentiles. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, this is the ministry. I've come to save that which was lost. So now Jesus is gonna leave here and he's gonna go up north because something is on the mind of Jesus. This is about six months before he goes to Jerusalem to be crucified. And uh, Jesus wants these disciples to do one thing. He wants them to identify who he is. He's very concerned that they begin to grasp and understand fully that he is the Son of God. That's why he's gonna leave here and go up to Caesarea Philippi where he will ask them, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? So when Jesus puts them in the boat that night, what Jesus is doing is this. 
He tries to show his identity in the storms we'll encounter in life. Now go with me, if you will, to that 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew and to the 22nd verse. And I want to show you three things about Jesus. And the first one is this. He knows the storms we are going to encounter. So when he puts them in this boat and he sends them out on this sea, uh, the question is this, did Jesus know that? Did Jesus know that that night they would be caught in a storm? Well, the answer is yes. Sure he did. He knew that they were going to be in a storm. Did he know how bad the storm was going to be? Yes, he knew how bad the storm was going to be. Did Jesus know that um, the storm was going to terrify these disciples? The answer to that is yes. He knew it would terrify them, uh, but he puts them. In fact, the Bible says he made them get into the boat. You see, they were going to be tempted. Jesus knew they would be tempted to follow this massive crowd who would surge at Jesus and say, we're going to make you king. And so oftentimes in life, Jesus knows what's best for us. He knows that the temptation and the storm on the sea is better for us than the temptation and the storm on the land. So he puts us in a boat. Now, did Jesus make the storm come up? I don't think so. Did he know the storm was going to come up? Absolutely he knew. And so he puts them, that's life. Every one of us are going to sail into a storm at some point. We are shocked when we do, but it never really should shock us because that's the way life is. We sail in and out of storms in life. And yet the truth of the matter is this. Jesus knew it. Now, in all honesty, in my own personal life, when I'm caught in a storm, if I'll stop and think, Jesus knew I was going to be in this storm. It seems to give me a lot of relief and assurance that while the storm caught me off guard, it didn't catch Jesus off guard. While the storm surprised me, it didn't surprise Jesus. And if I can stop long enough, and if you can stop long enough and begin to think that Jesus knows every storm you're going to encounter in life, you realize he's already made provision for that. So just know that part of the identity of Jesus is that he is the God who knows about every storm we're going to encounter. Now let me show you a second thing. And the second thing is this, Jesus will come to us on the storms that we encounter. Now listen to what is said in verse 25. In the fourth watch of the night, that was the darkest part of the night, three o'clock to about six o'clock. It was the darkest part of the night he came to them walking on the sea. Uh, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Now just stop and think. They're out in the middle of this sea in the darkest part of the night. They have rowed for hours. They are fighting the winds. Now this, this is a beautiful day, but I'm telling you, you can tell the water is a little stirred up. Um, 
They're out here rowing as hard as they can row. They're out here fighting the winds and the waves. And they're also out here trapped in their own fear and their own panic. And Jesus comes to them on the very thing that is frightening them. That's how Jesus comes. He comes to us on the waves of the storms that we encounter in life. And when they see him, what do they do? They panic. That's what happens with panic. They, um, uh, they are more terrified than they were. And uh, that's what happens with fear and anger and panic. It, it always increases at the least little provocation. So Jesus comes, they think he's a ghost. Now, you're going to look at a picture that was uh, painted uh, back years ago by a French painter uh, by the name of Amidi. And Amidi painted this picture of what he thought it was like for Christ to come out to the disciples. And if you look at that, it looks spooky. It looks scary. You can see why these, why these disciples, if it looked like that, thought it was a ghost. So they were terrified, and listen to what happens. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus didn't leave them in their fear. Jesus didn't play a game with them, and I would have been tempted to have done that. I would have been tempted to go, ooh, or, you know, something like that. I would have been tempted just to see how afraid I could make them, but Jesus didn't do that. Immediately he speaks to them and what Jesus said was this, take heart. That's an imperative. That's a command. He commands them to take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. That's the second imperative, a second command. Don't be afraid. Take heart, don't be afraid. But now look at this in the very middle. Do you see these little words, it is I? In the Greek, those words are Ego, I me, I am. Jesus used the name that God had given to Moses at the burning bush. I am. I am right here with you. I'm in the midst of this storm with you. I've come to you in the midst of this storm. And did you notice now, as Jesus came to them, the storm did not stop. The storm was still raging, the wind was still blowing, the waves were still beating the boat. But as he's coming to them, he's coming to them, in that, but he's coming to them as who he is, the great I am. So in the storms of life, Christ knows about them, but he comes to you on the very things that terrify us, that we face in life. And as he comes to us, he comes to us as the great I am. But let me show you one last thing. And the last thing is this. He comes as the God who saves us in the storm. God doesn't always save us from storms, but he comes and he saves us in the storm. Listen to these words. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now when we read that, it's almost as if Peter is saying, Lord, we're not really sure. We're not certain who this is or what this is, but if it's you, you command me to come to you on the water. Let's prove that this is you. That's not what he's saying. 
This is a first-class conditional sentence in the Greek, and it means since it is you. Because it's you. God, since it's you, Jesus, since it's you, you command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, you know, we're going to make fun of Peter in just a moment that he gets out of the boat and, boat and he sinks. But I want to tell you, the interesting thing to me is that he's the only guy in the boat that had enough faith to get out of the boat and attempt to go to Jesus on the water. The question here is, what is he walking on? And you say, well, when Peter gets out of the boat, he's walking on the water. No, he's walking on the Word of God. It's the Word of God, come, that he's walking on. And he does find as long as he keeps that focus, but now listen, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. When he looks and he sees what the wind is doing and it's whipping up this sea and it's driving this boat, one of the gospel writers tells us, he becomes terrified. He's lost his focus. He's gotten his eyes off of Christ and now his focus is on what terrifies him, what has been the problem all along. And uh, as he does that, he begins to sink. And as he sinks, he cries out these words, Lord, save me. Now still, listen, still the storm is raging. And he's going to, to sink in the midst of that storm, but the Lord's going to save him in the storm. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Come on, Peter, why did you doubt? You were doing so well, you know, Why'd you stop that? But even though Jesus asks him that, he doesn't ask him that, and then he reaches out his hand. He reaches out his hand, pulls him up out of the water, and he walks him into the boat. I wonder if that was being said as they walked back to the boat together. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat. So you've got this conversation between Jesus and Peter on their way to the boat. They get to the boat and the wind, see, it all stops right there. Every bit of it stops right there. It's all calm. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That's what Jesus has been looking for. He's been looking for these guys to understand fully who He is. He is the Messiah, the Messiah, the Son of God. You know, I'm really glad the Lord put that uh, story. I'm glad the Holy Spirit put that story in the Word of God. I'm glad he had Peter get out of the boat. And I'm glad that uh, Peter, even though it wasn't very comfortable for him, it brings a great deal of comfort to me that at one moment you're walking so well by faith with your eyes focused on Jesus. And the next moment you're caught up in the world and you're sinking because that's life. That's the way we are. That's how we live. 
And in the midst of it all, Christ comes to us. And he saves us in our storms. And he looks at us and he asks us the question, why'd you doubt? Why'd you stop trusting me? How about you this morning? What about you this morning? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Because I think this is the perfect time to give an invitation to you to come and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pray for us and I want you to come. I want you to get to the altar. I want you to come and make a decision for Christ. I want you to come for the first time for some of you and put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Others of you to come and say, Lord, I'm in a storm and I'm not trusting you. I'm not focused on you. Or Lord, I'm entering a storm and I, I want to keep my eyes on you through the whole storm. I want you to come and make the decision Christ is calling you to make today. Father, thank you for being with us. Me here and your people there at Valleydale. And on this uh, rocky little sea right now, Father, I pray for those that are there in that auditorium who desperately need to trust you as Lord and Savior. And those who need to come and put their life in the life of your church and others who need to come and just get on their knees and on their face before you at the altar. And Father, when they do that, we'll rejoice and we'll give you the glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You come. God bless.